What is up, everyone? It's another edition of the Cougar Tracks post-game drive. BYU takes down Southern Utah 41-16. I'm your BYU insider, Mitch Harper, with kslsports.com. A rainy drive, and again, if you're new to this, my hands are on the steering wheel. I'm recording this as I drive home from Provo back to Murray, Utah. When it's daytime and it's not late at night, like typically a a BYU football game usually ends, I'm always hitting Canyon Road, baby. Leaving Canyon Road and then taking that 8th North exit. I never deal with University Parkway. I don't know about you guys. I don't know how you drive, but I never go on University, ever. When I'm going to practice, to the indoor practice facility, I'm hitting up Center Street. When I'm going to a BYU game at LES... It's 8th North. Never hitting up University ever. I avoid that street completely. Anyway, I digress. BYU again takes down Southern Utah 41-16, giving you my post-game thoughts as I drive home. It's about 6.55 p.m. here in Provo, getting soon into Orem. I thought BYU made a lot of improvements today. I thought BYU... Took strides forward, but like Kalani Satake said, you know, it's, there's still areas to improve. And that's what I put up in my article on kslsports.com. By no means is BYU a finished product. Keaton Slovis, though, he gave you a proof of concept that when given time, he can deal and, and produce at a high level. And I think that's what you ultimately wanted to see from this game against Southern Utah. You didn't want to see, you know, a bunch of, you know, a lackluster performance. You wanted to see a well-equipped offense that's performing at a high level. And the number, the total final number, that wasn't the, the main focus. It was execution and how crisp the offense flowed. The passing game, I thought, performed well. The ground attack, though, was grounded. Once again, BYU's rushing attack was pretty much MIA. Southern Utah stacked the box, and Keaton Slovis pointed that out in the postgame, and it's it's a great take because they did. They sold out to stopping the run and said, we are going to force Keaton Slovis to beat us. And that's a good thing that BYU was put in that predicament and Slovis delivered. Hey, you want to stack the box and eliminate the run? Great, I'm still going to beat you this way. The problem, though, I have that BYU didn't have success against that stacked box and the ground is that it's an FCS team. It's one thing if you're having that sort of one-dimensional look against Arkansas next week or Kansas or Texas and Oklahoma. This was Southern Utah. And I know that, you know, Southern Utah, gritty, competitive team, gave Arizona State all they can handle. I get all that. You still should have been a lot more dominant up on the offensive front. And I don't think BYU was, once again. And that's a bit concerning when it comes to the blocking schemes and something is amiss there. And it, it really, the, the running backs were not much of a factor for BYU. They didn't need to be, but it would have been a nice luxury for BYU to be able to turn to them. Aiden Robbins didn't get a single carry after the first quarter. Deion Smith got some work. LJ Martin got some work. L.J. Martin ended up being the leading rusher with about 27, 28 yards. Again, I'm driving, so if I'm off on a few numbers, bear with me. I'm, I'm in the general 
you know, framework of where the numbers are, but understand that's that's kind of where I'm at here. LJ Martin might be your number one running back. I asked Kalani Satake why Aiden Robbins didn't get any carries after the first quarter because I saw Aiden Robbins on the sideline. I'm like looking down from the press box with the binoculars and I'm thinking, is he banged up? Did he, you know, what happened here to where they're not turning to him at all? I mean, he was, he was out of sight, out of mind to where he wasn't even playing in snaps, let alone getting a carry. And Kalani said he doesn't know, and, and that's fair. I mean, coming out of a game, you do got to look at the film on nuances like that. But it's quite the big change from maybe a preseason all-Big 12-type running back to where you're not getting any sort of run against SUU. And look, after the first quarter, it wasn't like BYU just pulled away to a 28-0 lead in the first quarter. You know, it, it was still a competitive ball game early on, and the ground attack just didn't work. LJ Martin might be your number one guy. And they got to get some answers because the gauntlet is approaching on the schedule. Tight end play was great. Isaac Rex, he's back to his normal self, and that's a great sign for BYU. He was outstanding today, and I think he's been outstanding this whole year. Spring ball, fall camp, heavily targeted by Keaton Slovis, and he looks really good. He's an NFL tight end. This is the Keaton Slovis that we saw in 2020, but I think he's even better now. He's faced some hardships with the injuries and navigated all that, and I think he's better off in the long run. I think Isaac Rex was really good for BYU on Saturday afternoon. Good crowd, by the way, 60,000 plus, 60,846, I believe, was the final tally. Thought it was a, it was a little bit of a late arriving crowd. I'm, I'm curious to kind of get some feedback from Cougar fans how they like the new security policies because. There's this new security barricade where people got to go through. It seemed like it was a little bit quicker this week. Last week, a little more issues with the, the parking passes taking longer, things like that. But still, a, a good crowd for BYU once again showing up for a game against Southern Utah. I thought that was a nice showing from Cougar Nation. Defense, I, I, they are not immune from some of the criticisms, I think, in this game. BYU wins 41-16. The total final number for Southern Utah, 16 points. Yeah, any opponent that gets 16 points, BYU's going to have a shot to win a lot of games. But FCS opponents, I think you'd like that number a little lower. And I also think in the second half, the defense did not play well. It was feeling a little bit more like the defenses I've seen in recent years than the suffocating lockdown defense that we saw a week ago against Sam Houston. That's a bit worrisome. I'm not ready to hit panic or anything, but you didn't get any sacks either. And, And that's something I think that's more alarming. Through two weeks against the two weakest teams you're going to face on the schedule this year, one sack. Better offensive lines waiting. You think about the offensive lines in the Big 12. West Virginia, one of the better ones. Kansas got a pretty good O-line. A lot of veteran experience there up front for the Jayhawks who beat Illinois on Friday night. BYU not getting sacks. And that was something Jay Hill wanted this week. He talked about it with the media. And to end up with zero sacks, that was a bit underwhelming. And also, too, in the second half, 
they were not getting stops on third down. Southern Utah was was moving the ball downfield. It was slow. It was methodical. Seven, eight, nine play drives, but they were moving. It was not three plays, four yards, and they're off the field. First drive of the second half. Southern Utah goes down the field over the top on BYU safety. Malik Moore, touchdown pass. Second drive for SEU. They had a field goal attempt, which I thought was silly. Why not go for it? You're a huge underdog. It was a long field goal attempt, about fourth and four. Just go for it. What do you got to lose? And that field goal attempt was just shanked before it even hit the kicker's foot. I mean, it was it was going sideways from the jump. But they had opportunities to, you know, make things a little uneasy for BYU. And I think that was discouraging to see from BYU's defense. It was interesting in the opening drive, one of the scoring drives that SUU did have in the game, it was clear as day, defensive series, Eddie Heckard, Malik Moore, not in the game. Tanner Wall stepped in as the starter for Malik Moore at the free safety position, and then Caleb Christensen was anchoring the nick, the nickel spot while Camden Garrett and Jacob Robinson were at cornerback. Kalani Sataki was asked in the postgame why those two guys were not available in the opening drive, and he didn't address it head-on, but said that Jay, had, Jay Hill wanted to have uh, some standard and some discipline and kind of sent a message. And I guess message sent because the first points of the season that were given up by BYU's defense were without those two guys on the defensive scheme for BYU in that opening series. thought the tackling was better and the pressures were there. They've shown that. They've given you the ability that they can get in the backfield, whereas in years past, that was never happening. But you got to finish the job and get some sacks and create more havoc. Camden Garrett got an interception. First of his career in all of college football. Uh, first one for him. He was at Weber State before. Gets the first interception of his career on Saturday afternoon. A little bit surprising. I thought he would have had a few more at Weber State. But he's taken a great step forward. Done a nice job. You know, Garrett was someone coming out of fall camp that I thought, you know, he's probably a second-team guy, I thought, but honestly, he's doing excellent for BYU. Jay Hill trusts those former Weber State guys completely. Heckard and Camden Garrett, they are critical to BYU's defense this season. But I would have liked to have seen some more violence from BYU's defense. I thought, you know, there were, there were some opportunities left on the table, and I, I just don't think... Jay Hill comes away from that performance feeling like that was an upgrade from what they did in week one. Did they get better? I, in some areas, maybe. But in others, I think you regressed. And you just don't want to regress in any shape or form when you're going up against an FCS team. Credit to SUU, though. They're, they're a competitive team. They're a lot better under this Delane Fitzgerald second year as the head coach than what they've been in the past. So, Credit to them for you know doing as much as they can to, to hang in and, and make it somewhat competitive. They showed a lot better than other FCS teams that have rolled into LDS in years past. BYU now 18-0 all-time against FCS programs in the history of BYU football. Thought it was a good day, too, for the wide receiver unit. Darius Lassiter, nice day, productive day from him. Chase Roberts, I think, continues to look 
like a number one wide receiver for BYU. He's had a lot of success. Kind of surprised Keelan Marion hasn't taken off. Only one target, one reception for 11 yards in the game. Not much of a factor thus far through two weeks. I kind of saw him in the post game. him and Darius Lasseter. They went on IG Live moments after the game. They were in the postgame locker room celebrating, enjoying the win. And that, that's fun stuff. I mean, that's college football at its finest. Guys enjoying a win because, look, you only get 12 guaranteed opportunities. Enjoy it. Savor the moments. Even though it's SUU and some people might say, oh, that that's way too much celebrating for a win over SUU. Now enjoy it. Enjoy that victory, but understand you got to get better, and that's going to be the challenge for BYU moving forward. But I thought the wide receivers played good. Keanu Hill was back. He gets a touchdown grab. Much needed to see Keanu step up and step back into his role as a starter for BYU. Kalani did hint that Cody Epps, who went through warm-ups once again this week, should be back next week against Arkansas, and that would be a big boost for BYU. I mean, Keenan Slovis and Cody have a great rapport with each other, kind of like Cody, or excuse me, Keenan and Isaac Rex do, and that's manifested itself on the field between those guys. Let's see that relationship blossom between Cody Epps and Keenan Slovis. The special teams unit also, what a moment from them. Blocked punt on a day. Harrison Taggart gets the block. On a day where special teams coordinator Kelly Papinga was not with the team. He was in attendance at his nephew's funeral, Julius Papinga, and my you know, prayers and, and heartfelt condolences to Brady Papinga and his family on the passing of Julius Papinga. I can't even imagine losing a, a son in such a tragic manner. Sounded like a great kid. And Kelly was there in California supporting his his brother, his family. And, and his nep- nephew uh, at his funeral. And, and just a cool moment for the punt team to get a block punt. Harrison Taggart comes up with it, and, and BYU gets their first block punt since 2021 against Idaho State a couple years ago. So FCS teams, be warned. You come into LES, you're probably going to have a block punt against BYU. Also, BYU's punt team, Ryan Rico, continues to shine. He was the co-special teams player of the week in the Big 12 this week. But Marcus McKenzie, what a story that he has become for BYU. Anyone that's been following BYU football knows about his speed, knows the fact that he's related to Ryan McKenzie. That's his father. But that guy has incredible speed, and you just can't contain him. I'm very curious to see how he continues to evolve in the role as a gunner on special teams. And if teams start to zero in on him and try to contain him, I mean, Arkansas is probably going to make some efforts to to stop him, but I feel like that speed is hard to stop. Even in the SEC, Marcus McKenzie is an elite athlete among the best, one of the fastest humans in the high school ranks in the nation when he was coming out of Pineview High School in St. George, Utah. And what's exciting too, Kalani noted it in the post-game presser. I, I wrote it up in my instant takeaways piece before I heard from Kalani. But Dominic McKenzie, you know, he's going to be joining the team next year. Marcus's twin brother, he went on a mission, Dominic did, and he'll be joining the team next year as a defensive back as well. So much speed in the McKenzie family 
and Marcus continues to just every time the ball lands in the hands of the punt returner, the opposing team's punt returner, Marcus McKenzie's there. And, I mean, he's outrunning punts. There's been some punts where Rico last week had a low ball, and Marcus McKenzie's outrunning the punt. It's incredible speed and a great role for him. It'll be interesting to see what steps he takes that if there ever is uh, an injury or something for the cornerback unit, if he's ready to step into the role of being a lead cornerback. Jay Hill has nothing but rave reviews for for Marcus McKenzie. And what was interesting, too, is, you know, I talked to General Guilford this week, and he said that Marcus, why he works as a gunner is because he likes to play with violence. He's quick. But he loves contact. He loves to hit. And, and that's a unique combination when you've got elite speed, but you also love to hit people. Because usually it's one or the other. You like to hit, but you're not the fastest guy around. You got the speed, but you're kind of soft. Marcus McKenzie might be the complete package for BYU. We shall see. Early returns, though, been very good on punt return. But now BYU's got their toughest challenge to date coming up next week. The Arkansas Razorbacks, they defeated Kent State 28-6. I'm going to dive into that game, watch it over the weekend. But just kind of reading some of the reports coming out of Fayetteville today, sounded like it was a little bit sluggish for Arkansas. They didn't have Rocket Sanders, their star running back, who ran all over BYU last year. They dominated BYU last season to the tune of 644 yards. Revenge is going to be on the mind of BYU. There was already some talk of that in the postgame locker room. But BYU and Arkansas next week, 5.30 kick. Extended pregame begins at noon, which is, of course, Cougar Sports Saturday. It'll go up to 3.30 live from Fayetteville. I'll be down there leaving next Friday and then covering everything from BYU and Arkansas. Matt Biamonte will be down there, too. We're going to have a great time getting you ready for BYU's next trip into SEC country, the first road game of the year. It's kind of interesting to go on the road after two games at home. BYU hasn't done this with their first road game in week three since 2012. Typically, it's always been open, out of the gates, on the road. But having some home games already under the belt, get your feet under you, let's see how BYU responds in what I would imagine will be a hostile environment, primetime ESPN2 broadcast. Arkansas doesn't typically have primetime games. It's not often they're going at night, and I think that's uh, it's going to be a good matchup. Big 12, SEC, they lock up coming up on Saturday down in Fayetteville next week. So that's going to do it for the postgame drive. I'm now into Salt Lake County in, in Draper, just at the point of the mountain. Heading home. One of these years I might have to move down to Provo. But hey, then it takes away the post-game drive. You don't want that, right? You gotta enjoy this post-game drive. I will say I love doing the post-game drive so much more at seven o'clock in the evening compared to two thirty in the morning. But I fear we're gonna have a lot more two thirty meeting meetings than seven PM visits in the future because BYU being in that fourth window, you know a lot of these games are going to be in the late spot. Cincinnati's a Friday night, which I'm okay with as a late game there because 
traffic is going to be a bear on a weekday. But those other games, Texas Tech, maybe Iowa State could be a day game. I could see that being an ESPNU game. Oklahoma on senior day, absolutely going to be a night game, guaranteed. But I'll take it, though. It's a lot of fun. Looking forward to it. Continue to follow all the coverage on kslsports.com, the KSL Sports app. Tune in to First and 12 on Sunday morning, a Big 12 football show. Myself and Alex Carey, 10 a.m. to noon on KSL News Radio and the KSL Sports Zone. And then on Monday night, we're taking your phone calls. Cougar Nation, 6 to 7, myself and Matt Biamonte. Sound off on this BYU football team. Share your thoughts on how you think this team is playing through two weeks as they get ready for the Razorbacks in week three. Talk to you next time here on the Cougar Tracks podcast, and it's always powered by kslsports.com.